0: Well, how's my second favorite family on the planet doing today? How are you, Beltway Church? Well, y'all had an extra hour of sleep. That was unenthusiastic. at best. We're not at a golf tournament. Come on, somebody. How are we doing? Thank you. The more enthusiastic you are, the shorter I go. How's that for a deal we'll make today? Hey, before I begin, just let me, uh, let me say, if you're a guest here or someone who's new, I'm at A couple of families after the early service this morning uh, who are pretty brand new here. Let me say this to you about why I love this place beyond my relationship with David, who is my best friend in ministry, beyond uh, the elders here I have dinner with every time I come and just the way they serve you, and even beyond this next generation group in the front that I, I have to get in here because I know you're going to be here and you encourage my heart. It's because... There's something that happens here that as I travel happens nowhere else that I go. Many of you know that at the end of every year, your elders begin to pray about the money that's been given, and if there's any left at the end of the year, they look for ways to sow it into ministries and missions locally and around the world. Guys, look at me. Nobody does that. You you realize that, right? Nobody does that. I go to churches all over the place, and Taking 1.2 million dollars from last year and sowing it into ministry, uh, lots of places all over the world is unbelievable to me. It just—I'm always blown away. Many of you know that uh, I began, my wife and I began a ministry called Go Be Ministries uh, that we launched out as a part of connecting God's power to the very real issues that children are facing when it comes to anxiety and uh, depression, other forms mental health issues uh and this year I came to your leaders and said look I have a dream and a dream that I have is I want to take I feel like the Lord is calling us to take this message all over the world because everywhere I was speaking and all the webinars I was doing for leaders this isn't an American problem this is a humanity issue that we're facing I just didn't have the money to do it and they prayed came back And uh, gave us enough money that we could translate Toby the Gobi and my book, Not Yet, into Spanish, which is a long, arduous ordeal of translating and printing and shipping and all that goes. But here's the cool thing. It's so fortuitous that I was able to be here this weekend because I flew back Wednesday night from being in Costa Rica where we were launching in Central America the Spanish version of all of these tools and all of these books and things that we've done and so like you guys are young right here so y'all don't know this but like my generation we did vacation slides when you came home you everybody got to watch here but I got a couple of vacation slides I want you to see I want you to see this little boy first uh, his name is Samuel Samuel met me outside of this event that that they were hosting there I met his mom talked to her for a while She's sent, since I've been home, she's been contacting me on social media uh, privately that that Sammy was battling nightmares, battling panic, uh, was really overwhelmed. You know, the best we can do in the world is fidget spinners and weighted blankets, right? I just think we can do better than that. And she said, he's finally beginning to connect the power of God as he speaks his 40 Iams, uses some of these tools in this book. And she's so grateful. And then secondly, this is Francine is her name. And this next one, she is a, what I'm finding everywhere, a 20-something young single woman who is having a hard time navigating life, has been involved in some self-harm, honestly, uh, as a part of her confession of where she's been. And she has a copy of I Know that you guys translated. And she contacted me as well and said that for the first time ever, she sees hope that she can do hard things. God is with her. There's ways she can connect to God's power and move through. Now, here's why I tell you that. That's good news, isn't it? Okay, so all you guys like looking at your phone or whatever, look at me for a second. Look at me. Y'all did this. You did this. This is not happening without you. I got the joy of meeting these kids, spending time with them, but I couldn't. I, none of this happens without this place. So when Randy or another pastor talks about checking a box or here's how you can give online, the things he's supposed to do, you need to hear me say there are faces behind this. But like, there are people that you will never meet until heaven, that you don't know existed, that you have the privilege of touching their lives. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. I have this little boy. Thank you. And so I made a deal with his mama. Because his mom was just overwhelmed with gratitude. And I said, hey, ma'am, I just, I just get to be the guy. There's a church full of people in a town called Abilene. She said, Abilene? Said, She's Spanish. It's okay. means hot and dry. <laughs> and I said, tell you what, I'll promise you this Sunday, there'll be thousands of people praying for you and praying for Sammy. She said, gracias. So can we pray for Sammy? I'll cry a little bit, and then we'll move on, Okay. Father, I'm just grateful for this family, man. I'm so thankful for their generous spirit. And for you reminding me how big the kingdom is. I get so locked into my little world, I forget. Your kingdom is an unbelievably big place and that you are the master strategist. Like you're a good father. And I ask you to bless Sammy because I know you love him. And I ask you to fill Francine with the power of your Holy Spirit. Uh, that she might find a peace and a courage that she hasn't found without you. And I speak against the shame that she and other young people battle when they battle. And I ask you to bless these kids and bless this church family, every giver, in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you know who this guy is? Raise your hand if you know who this is. Lots of you and then lots of you are not either playing along or you don't have little children. Uh, this is Bluey. Bluey uh, is the number one cartoon in the world. So I wanna introduce you to Bluey and his family. Uh, this is his family, his, he has a, a she, excuse me. I know, get off of me, I know it's a girl. Okay, Bluey. Has a sister, her name is Bingo. Bingo was her name Oh, that's her sister. Then she has a dad whose name is Bandit. And the coolest part of the family is she has a mom named Chili who drives a four-wheel drive pickup to work at the airport. Come on, West Texas. It's a real woman out there. A uh, couple of things about Bluey, if you haven't ever seen it, that make it unique. Uh, one of the most unique things and near and dear to my heart is is bandit the dad he is not the american version of a bumbling idiot you see on tv like he's actually a good dad in fact i have young dads that come to me and go man i'm watching blue and i kind of feel bad i feel guilty about what kind of dad i am i said don't feel guilty man just get raised up by how this guy is fathering his kids but the other thing that's interesting is that this show is more popular among adults than it is kids Like there are message boards all over the world in all these languages where people are talking about the next episode or what the last episode was and what the meaning was in it. There are these these writers from Australia have this unbelievable ability to, through this little cartoon, take these simple messages and give us such profound truths. In fact, my favorite episode is... The number one episode of all time, it's called Rain. And the reason it's interesting to me is, honestly, it's 30 minutes long and nobody there's no talking. So I got my grandkids with me watching, Bluey, Papa, Bluey. And we watch Bluey. And for the TV to say nothing and then to say nothing, it's like the parting of the Red Sea. (laughs) But the message in Rain is what drew everyone to this episode. Let's watch this. So if you're, not, if you're not familiar with the show, you're probably thinking, well, this is a cute little illustration of a mom who wants to keep her house clean and a, a child who wants to have some fun in the rain. But if you saw the whole thing, you would see that this is really illustrating the tension between a daughter who is ready to move into a new season of life and a mother that wants to keep living the same season they're in. Let me say that again. There is tension that comes when God is orchestrating the changing of a season in life and we want to stay in the season that we're in. That within each one of us is a natural tendency to hang on to what we know and possibly miss what God has in front of us. It's really, I think, a poetic illustration of the importance of valuing and understanding the work of God in your life as it relates to seasons of your life. And I'm talking about this everywhere I go because young, old, rich, poor, male, female, doesn't matter where you find yourself on the parenting cycle or the living cycle. One of the keys to a life of peace and joy and the abundant life that God calls you to is understanding and getting in step with Jesus in the middle of whatever season you find yourself in and trying to fight against the season you're in is like trying to manage rushing water. So I want to talk to you just for a few moments about this. what I believe is a part of not only your mental wellness, but your spiritual health is understanding how God works in the seasons of your life. Now, I know this goes without saying for many of you, but the English language is the most imprecise language on the planet we can have one word it means 15 different things uh and you know other languages have 15 words to describe different aspects of the same thing this is true of the Hebrew language of the Old Testament the Greek of the New Testament that we have a word that says time and to us it means time but the Hebrews had a word for time it was chronos everybody say chronos that was in this hidden school I need you to say it with enthusiasm chronos Okay, it's a moment in time. It declares a moment in time. Then there's a word that describes only God. Who's, it's called Anon, and it stands. he stood outside of time and space, right? But then there's this other word, chronos, relating to us. Chronos is a moment in time. Chronos, keros, is a season of time. Say keros. keros. Chronos, keros, is a season of time. Why does that matter? It matters because from Genesis to Revelation, there is reference to God working in seasons of time and man's inability to let a moment in time allow them to be in step with God in a season of time. Okay, so let me describe this to you. Your father, you're 35 years old and you're a husband and you uh, have a couple of kids. And your father, when you were eight, He did the best he could, but it wasn't enough for you. It's called a father wound. There was something you needed from your father you never got, and you've never really dealt with it. Uh, You and God have never really worked through the pain of recognizing that and forgiving your father and moving on. And now at 35, in your season of being a father, you're being affected as a father because of a moment of time back when you were eight years old. The Bible says, That's not a wise way to live. Don't let a moment in time affect the season of your life. It's true for those of you uh, who raised children, and it was a beautiful experience, and now you're like me, you're staring at your 60s or you're in your 70s, and you spend all of your time longing for that good of day. Your children were under your roof, and you're thinking about those as the good moments, and you're missing this season because that moment was so good. So the Bible says, teach us to number our days aright so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We need to understand that the enemy wants to bring moments of time, both good and bad, to stop what God's trying to do in this season of your life. Everybody with me so far? So let me just give you three brief things in the next 17 minutes or so. I want you to write these down. I want you to, I'm gonna give you three truths that the Bible gives us about seasons so we can understand them and begin to move in concert with God. Number one, seasons are inevitable and they are for our benefit. Now we understand this in the natural that seasons are inevitable and they're for our benefit. You know, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man other than Jesus to walk this planet wrote Ecclesiastes and he talks in Ecclesiastes 3. We've all heard it. You know, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, time to die. This poet begins to contrast extremes. A time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. You know what he's saying here? God created the seasons. They're inevitable and they're for your benefit. We understand this in the natural, right? I grew up in South Texas. I've told some of you this before. Small town. Love growing up in a small town. Love being able to ride my bike to my granny and papa's house. Love me and the guys playing football, uh, literally under the streetlights. We used to actually do that before the internet, people actually went outside and we were out there playing. And uh, I loved my little church. I loved that it gave me a love for the Bible, warts and all. It gave me a love for the Word of God. I hated South Texas. Can I get a witness from anybody? I lived in Angleton. Next door was a town seven miles away called Clute. Look it up, C-L-U-T-E. They have an annual mosquito festival. (laughs) Who does that? But this time of year was really hard for me. Uh, When I was growing up, this was pre-Walmart days. This was back when we had to actually get up and turn our own TV channels. I this seems weird to some of you, but uh, before Walmart, we didn't start celebrating Christmas till after Thanksgiving. It's crazy now. It's like, oh, is it, wait, can we take down our Halloween stuff and put up our tree? Don't get me going. Uh, but when Christmas season came and they'd start the shows on those three stations we got. you remember this? And the songs would come on the radio. They were all about snow. We didn't have Frosty the snowman. We had Frank the dirt man. No snow. I mean, we're wearing shorts and skateboarding on Christmas Day. And I remember my mother, God bless you, Mom, if you're watching. I love you. Jesus loves you. You're going to heaven one day. But listen, like, why in the world did you make us put on flannel shirts and stocking caps and corduroy pants to take Christmas pictures. I'm getting a rash. I mean, it's 95 degrees. We're not fooling anybody. And I would get so frustrated as a kid and I would go, it's not supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be cold at Christmas. Because in my DNA as a little six-year-old, I knew that I was created for seasons physically to change, right? I don't know about you guys here in Abilene, but like in the Metroplex, until two weeks ago, I mean, the devil was high-fiving like a locust out in the parking lot of Albertson. I mean, it was scalding hot in Dallas this summer. Terrible. And the weather breaks. My wife and I are in the grocery store, and I stop and she goes, what? I said, look around, baby, everybody's happy. Y'all notice that when fall hits for the first time ever, like the atmosphere gets better? People are nicer to each other until February. And then what happens? Oh, when's it going to get warm again? Why? Because we understand there's this natural thing in us for the next season. So whatever season you're in, it's not going to be forever forever. But this season is for your benefit. Like, let's don't freak out about the economy or the election. It's, in a, it's a season. And God is at work. Do you think God's panicking up there about the stock market? I what what's going to do? If God isn't panicking, we don't panic either. We understand that there are seasons in our lives and the lives of where we exist and live, right? So they're for your benefit. And they're inevitable. Secondly, though, let's write this down. This is the most important thing. I hate when preachers say this, Randy, but I'm going to say it. If you don't hear anything else I say today, that's a lie. I want you to hear everything I say. But I want you to hear me say this. Whatever season you're in, good or bad, it is preparation for the next season of your life, okay? Every season of life, whether you're a high school or college student, Whether you're a young single person, whether you're a middle-aged married person, whether you're a grandfather who feels like his best days are behind him, this season is preparation for the next season of your life. You have a father who is inherently good and wants what's best for you, even if it doesn't feel like it. But your season of life is preparation for the next season. Now, in Genesis to Revelation, there is this concept about a harvest, I mean, a planting season and a harvest season. John the Revelator is going to tell us about it in Genesis 8. It says, As long as the earth endures, there's going to be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So it's very important that if you understand that if you're trying to plant, seeds in harvest season the fact that you're not getting tomatoes does not mean there's something wrong with you or something wrong with God it means it's not the season for you to harvest it's the season for you to be planting you with me like I want to look at all of these young ones right up in front and say to you man you are not in a harvest season you are being prepared In this season for your next season and God really likes you so if you try to skip this season and not let God do what he wants to do and prepare you for he likes you so much he's gonna let you take the test again next season he's not punishing you God doesn't punish people your our mistakes past present and future were paid for at the cross of Jesus Right? He's not punishing you. He might discipline you. But it's because he's preparing you for something. Like this isn't, if you're a young, if you're a college student or right out of college or you're in your first 10 years of your job, listen to me. I know it's hard. But God's preparing you for something while it's hard. <laughs> like you shouldn't have it all yet. It's not harvest time. It's planting time. Where in the world did we decide that if it was hard, God wasn't in it? The Hebrew word for that is dumb. The Greek word is stupid. Right? I mean, just because it's hard doesn't mean God's not in it. I have staked my life on Romans 8 that God is working in all things for my good. So instead of God, what are you doing to me? It's more, hey God, what are you trying to show me here? What are you trying to prepare me for here? So I grew up, I was telling some of your elders at dinner last night, I grew up in the, my generation. This is how my dad parented me. Don't be a baby. Anybody else get that? Other than my generation? Don't be hey, just rub some dirt on it. Quit being a baby. Man. Uh, I grew up in a church season. That was don't be a baby. Just read your Bible, pray, love Jesus, everything will work out. could be a baby. So guess what the next generation has done in reacting to that damaging message of don't be a baby. Anybody know? Oh, you poor baby. Oh, you poor baby. I'm so sorry you've had a hard day. Hey, you don't need to go to school tomorrow, baby. I know you're, you're, a, little, you're a little depressed. Stay home. Uh, oh, you didn't get your homework done? I'll do it for you. I know it's been challenging lately. Are there any teachers in this room that want to lay down palm fronds right now and yell Hosanna at me? <laughs> it's never the kid's fault. Oh, that poor, a poor baby. You just don't understand. Do you understand that, oh, you poor baby is just as damaging as don't be a baby? <laughs> like in a season of planting It's supposed to be hard. Don't say it's not hard. Say it is hard, but you can do hard things because God is with you. How about that for a message? Right? Not, oh, you're not depressed. You're not anxious. Yes, you are, but you can get through it because you have a power beyond yourself. Right? Because this is the season that we're in and God is preparing you for something in this season. I have parents all the time say to me, man, uh, I'm just, you know, these days are so short. I know I'm gonna turn around. I'm just, I'm gonna be so sad. My kid's gonna, they're gonna get a job and find somebody to be married to and move out of my house and they'll move someplace else and it'll be sad. Listen, the only thing sadder than your kids finding a job a person And a place to live is them not finding it and living with you. (laughs) You get this, right? Like your job is to release them. Like your job as a parent is a series of painful releasings. That's what it is. And if I don't release and allow them to experience, why are we surprised that they're entitled? Why do they think they're the center of the world? Because they've been the center of the world the whole time they're in your house. That's been the message they've got. Why? Because you're not seeing a season as the seasons prepare you for the next season. You're just thinking about the season you're in. Am I telling the truth to anybody? Am I making anybody mad yet? This is all true, man. This is a a problem. It's a problem. You know, some of you, like you, young married people, you don't get that you got kids. They're going to leave you one day. And all you've got left is that man, that woman that's living in your house. And if you're not preparing in this season, by continuing to invest in your relationship, do not be surprised when you are miserable when the kids leave and you're just cohabitating. Why won't God fix it? Because he's going to make you take the test again. Because he likes you. Well, you don't understand. I'm busy. Yeah, I understand. You find time for what you prioritize. I get to decide what's important in my life. I dated my wife because we had, both had family members whose marriages exploded after their kids left because they didn't know each other. And we said, come hell or high water, that ain't going to happen to us. Right? So there was a planning season. I'm not saying it was easy, but hey, man, I can do hard things and God's with me. All right? So what is God preparing you for right now? Where are you devaluing the season that you ought to be bringing great value to? <laughs> because this season prepares you for the next season. I have five grandkids. Only like three of them at once, so it works out for me. Uh, my oldest, his name is Gideon. He's seven. He's my favorite, which is one of the greatest things about being a grandparent. You can have favorites. They might change, but I have him. And he says, we have a little place up by them in Mississippi and because uh, I'm, I'm allergic to sleeping on futon, so I have my own place. And uh, he said, Papa, I want to I I build a garden. You always have gardens. I want to build a garden. I go, no, you don't. Yeah, I do, Papa. I want to build a garden. Gideon, you know how much money it costs to build a garden? you got to buy dirt. you got to pull out all the grass. you got to buy plants and a fence, keep the animals out. Oh, it's okay, Papa. you got lots of money. Let's do that. <laughs> and I said, hey, Gideon, look at me. The only thing fun about a garden is harvest time. That's the only fun part. Oh, I don't care, Papa, let's do it. Well, in my house, I have a sign for my grandchildren. It's called hashtag Land of Yes. And uh, because I don't have to give them what they need. I get to give them what they want. That's my job. And so we bought hundreds of dollars worth of dirt that was delivered. And we bought all the stuff. And as we were putting the garden in, that's a lie, as I was sitting on the chair watching him put this stuff in, I told him, I told you this wasn't fun. But I said, Gideon, if we don't do this right, the only thing that's supposed to be fun will be no fun at all. And if I almost brought you a picture today because you would think I made this up just for this message, but I didn't. Like, it looks like the Amazon jungle. It's a mess. Because I had to come back. I've been traveling all over the country. It was his job, and... He said, Are you mad, Papa? I said, No, I'm not mad. I hope you've learned that when you're not faithful in the season you're in, what you're gonna get is a mess. Because what I'm gonna do, Bubba, I'm coming back up there in about a week, and before we go on our fishing trip, I got work to do. And I'm gonna pull the weeds and I'm gonna re bring nutrients to the ground, and we're gonna put in some fall things because it's in Mississippi, and you can do that. And I'm going to show you what something beautiful looks like when you do what you're supposed to do in the season that you're in. Because every season is preparation for the next season. And then finally, I would say this to you, that faith for me is this journey of finding Jesus in this season, not waiting for the next season to find Jesus there. Like, I have to really avoid the as soon as disease. Well, as soon as my kids get out of the house, then I'm going to be, you know. My favorite is, I, you know, this kid will never sleep through the night. If I can just get him to sleep through the night. And then the next thing is, if this kid would ever get out of bed, right? I mean, it's just as soon as never comes. So I've got to find Jesus in this season. Faith is seeing Jesus in the season I'm in. John chapter 3, Jesus has Nicodemus come to him at night. You remember this, everybody? Am I losing you? Are y'all still with me? Okay, so he comes, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, what, well, I'm going to go back to my mom's womb? And he talks about flesh and spirit. And it's a whole thing about being reborn. But I think we missed that he's using this picture of a child being born to say to Nicodemus, hey, Nicodemus, there's a reason they call it labor. He doesn't want to come out. Why? It's warm. He's being fed. Everything. All of his needs are being met. Why would he want to come out? He comes out kicking and screaming. But Nicodemus, you understand that the secret to entering into a new season is the willingness to leave an old season. And if you're hanging on to the old season do not be surprised that God ain't doing nothing new in your life. I have, I've been living this. This is my story. Some of you know, lots of you don't, that in, on the last Sunday of February of this year, I stepped out of my role as the lead pastor of the church I founded over 22 years ago, across Timbers, down in the Dallas area. It was before the pandemic that I was getting this sense from the Lord that my season was coming to an end. Part of that uh, I had no understanding of. I just I kept coming back to this truth. Uh, I wasn't sure what the next season was going to hold. But I had been investing in some next generation leaders who had been a part of our church. And I felt a moment I wasn't looking for it, the Lord clearly spoke to me that, This is the guy who will take your place and lead this church family. And I began a process of investing in his life. Uh, The pandemic hit, and so we had to hit pause for a while. People would say, what are you going to do about your succession during the pandemic? And I said, well, the last time I was in a pandemic during a recession, I said, I don't know. We're going to figure it out. But in January, we announced that I was stepping out of my role, and it was painful, man. Like, I grieved. I didn't know what I was doing. I was sad all the time. Went to my counselor and said, why am I sad all the time? I chose this. And he said, well, you're going through grieving. So remember, if they have a beginning and an end, it's not a season. It's a way of living. So my wife and I grieved, and we walked out of that church on the last day. And she said, how do you feel? And I said, I feel like God has been faithful. I just, I just don't, I don't know what I'm going to do in our new season. And so for five months, we were on sabbatical. We didn't come to church. at the church we had planted. We didn't go, I didn't go to the office there. I really wanted to give this young man space and room to lead without anyone looking toward me. And uh, came, I went back, and I taught the first of August, and I taught, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks ago there. And, you know, I stood in the front of that room, and I thought, well, this feels like home. Josiah, he, my successor, he's doing an unbelievable job. I'm getting great joy out of helping him behind the scenes. If, like, There's joy in this room. It's joyous of me to come and to teach. And for the first time in my life, I'm getting to spend all of my time taking a 27-year battle with anxiety and panic and take it into play all over the world. Like, I love being with my wife. I, I really do. I'm not just saying that. We do, we're doing this thing together. Like, this is the greatest season of my life, and it was the hardest one to let go of. But I could have never experienced this season if I wouldn't let go of that last season. Uh, And I think some of you are here today because there is a, like, God wants to, look, he does new things. He wants to do something new. There's a resurrection that he wants to bring to some area of your life. But there is no resurrection without a death. Like, we all want the resurrection, but nobody wants the death part. And you have to let go of something that may be really good. To move into something new. Are you with me? You know what I'm saying? Uh, You know what? This is the greatest season of my life. You know what the last greatest season of my life was? It was the one that I was just in. And you know what the greatest season before that season was? It was a season before that. Because he makes everything beautiful in his time. Because that's where he is. I love how this bluey episode ends. I don't know, have any clue whether these guys are inspired, but they inspired me. Because we can see what happens when someone quits fighting the season that they've been in and step into what God has for them in their new season. Let's watch this. Because when you join God in the season that you're in, instead of fighting God for a season that is to come or that is behind, you will see his faithfulness like you've never seen it before. I did not say it's easy. I said it's worth it. Because look at me. You can do hard things. Because God's with you. But you have to keep your eyes on the sun. You need to help somebody else along the way. Let me pray for us. Thank you, Lord, uh, that you would love us enough to prepare us in this season for the season in front of us. And so I would just pray that you would find among us a mustard seed of faith, that we would have the faith to see you in this season and to allow you to do what you want to do in us, through us and with us in this season. And I am so grateful that my relationship with you is built on your faithfulness and not mine. Because in every season of my life, you have been so faithful to me. Isn't that good just to think about how faithful God's been to you? And so we bless you, Father. I bless these sweet people. Bless the Beltway Church and this season of their life as a church. Pray they'd be more connected, more empowered than they've ever been to be a force of light in this city. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.